0: Oh, hi, it's Jason Klom with Dispatches from Fort Awesome. This week on the phone, we have special guest Jordan Baker. Jordan Baker played Ruth in Led Zeppelin Two. Jordan, thank you so much for doing the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, um, well, you know, the thing is, what's funny is when I have people on the show who, you know, we're not regulars on the show, I'm going to have to ask a lot of the same questions. But I I do, uh, the one I always want to know is, did you watch news radio before you got cast on it?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I guess when I was looking back at the history of it, I was in season two. I thought I was actually farther in. Uh huh. It seemed like it had been on much longer. I guess. Interesting. But, um, yeah, no, but you know, because all the hottest comics were on that show, right? So, so every I can't imagine there was anybody wasn't watching that show, and the, the humor was really sharp and it's some of the best uh, stand up talent even was on that show.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. We just uh just revisited with a gentleman named Michael Kostroff and that also came up. Same exact thing. The guys all the guys who played uh Joe's brothers on a later episode were either stand-ups <laughs> or well one of them was uh uh Epstein from Welcome Back Cotter, uh which was kind of Oh, great. there you go. Uh, yeah.
1: So. so some of your best uh, the best of the best of the mm-hmm. comedy people were on that show. Yeah.
0: Um, so I,
1: I don't even know how I ended up there. I, I didn't <laughs> even audition. It was a call. You my agent said they wanted me on that episode. Yeah, it was the last uh, episode of that season. Because mm-hmm. I do remember that the writers' room was very burnt out. Uh-huh. Um, you know, com- I always say, you know, comedy writers, um, the toughest night is you know shoot night. Right. Um, but the toughest job in Hollywood is a comedy writer on shoot night.
2: Hmm. And
1: uh, so that's why you typically will work for three weeks. Uh, on a sitcom, and then you get a week off, and the week off is really for the comedy writers, yeah, to uh, take a breath and, and catch up with themselves. But, uh, yeah, they had the best, the best. I think on that episode, I think James Burroughs was my director, right? Um, I'm trying to think back that far, but, um, yeah, and he was truly one of the top comedy directors as well,
0: yeah, of course. Yeah, we, what's funny, we had him on the show somehow, don't ask me, how. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and it was a, it was a lot of fun, but. He, the man has done so many successful shows. He's like, I don't know if I've got any yeah. stories, stories about news radio or not. And it ended up just <laughs> being a discussion of him and his career. Uh, but it was, it, yeah, it's so funny. That man has done too much, maybe too much work.
1: I remember him. There's a scene between uh, Vicki Lewis and I. And his mm-hmm. dad. she just comes over and, and does this funny little bit with me. But um, I remember during rehearsal, James Burroughs uh, coming up to me and going, and looking at Vicki Lewis and go, you know what? Funny is funny and mm-hmm. that girl is funny You <laughs> just look at her and you start laughing I love you know it. so something people sort of have that thing
0: that's pretty nice i mean that's pretty ni- <laughs> I, I, you know also looking at looking at your credits like every show of the 90s that i absolutely loved i mean you're in so much of them i uh, did a,
1: a lot of television in the 90s yeah. yeah they um you know it's funny when i was doing that show um i was actually on another show at the time mm-hmm. um i was doing a show called i think i was on picket fences
0: Oh, I see that, and,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, I played a lot of women in suits, not bathing suits, you know, <laughs> business suits.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I think I was doing an episode of, of Picket Fences. Um, I did a couple of those. And I I was over at 20th Century Fox when uh, we got the call that they wanted me to come do this show. I said, why? I, I don't know anybody over there. And they go, no, no, they really want you to come. So I said, okay. And so we talked to Picket Fences and they said, you know, they could let me go in the morning to go over there. And um, and definitely, I could do shoot night. That wasn't my tape night because it, uh, one hour is different. Um, so it worked out that I could do uh, both shows. And um, did you hear that?
0: No, I heard you. Okay. Was there a noise?
1: An, an alarm! An alarm went off. Oh, okay. I thought, oh, maybe it's on your recording. Um, no. So what happened was they um, when I first got there, um, they were the whole company is around a table to do the table read. Um, what they do is they'll sit down on Monday, basically, and they'll read the whole script, and then the writers will go away and write more and they come back like that. So when I got there, they hadn't actually written a part for me. Oh, my God. So I, I thought that was so interesting. You you asked me to come. <laughs> you have no idea what you're going to do with me. Holy but, um But they just wanted to get a sense of me, so they said, just sit here, and they're going to read the script as it is now, and we'll sort of figure out, well, we're going to go back to the room and figure out what to do with you. And They had mentioned that everybody was very tired. It was the end of the season, and... And, uh, so they were kind of burnt out. So I, I left them. I had a wonderful read. I remember I sat next to Phil Hartman, but I was like so in awe of Phil Hartman. And, um, so we sat together and, uh, and no idea what that was going to be. And, um, and then when I came back the next day, um, they'd written this script and we went around the table and read this script. And, um, (laughs) I was so stunned that um, they had all these pit jokes because I'm, I'm probably the flattest chested woman in Hollywood.
2: So I was
1: like, well, I can't play this joke. This must be a mistake. Um, so I went over to the stage manager at the end of the reading and I said, you know, I totally understand if you guys need to recast me and um, you know, I have another job, so it's okay. And the stage manager looked at me dumbfounded and goes, why is there a problem? And I said, we're in Los Angeles and I don't play tit jokes. I mean, I can't play a tit joke. <laughs> and so I said, you've got the best ones in town or in this town, you know? <laughs> and um, I said, some poor girl is out there with some great something for you. <laughs> and uh, and they basically said to me, oh, don't worry about it. We'll build it. <laughs> I was like, okay. So um, what happened was I went back to Picket Fences and I had worked with Lori Pearl, who was the customer on, I think, L.A. Law. She also did a lot of the David Kelly and shows and 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 stuff and so i was in sitting with her from picket fences and i said can you believe they've hired me on this sitcom and they're going to do tit jokes all night long about me and she started <laughs> laughing she thought that was funny and i said they said they're going to build it what does that mean and she says you know you need to go down to mrs stevens over on olympic she builds all the the girls up for star trek uh-huh. and i said so i get to that place and uh yeah. So she said, width or depth? What are you looking for? <laughs> so she built me this little look. She said that the girls on Star Trek, the women, um, they wear those tight suits and it kind of flattens out their whole body. Sure. So they have to rebuild their shape a little bit. So she was doing that. Oh so I went God. back to to, uh, to news radio. And um, as we were doing the rehearsing, uh, Phil Hartman. <laughs> oh my God. You know, he had to say, I think it's in the bathroom scene where he talks about the bazookas on that battleship, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, he would come to me just before rehearsal and he'd say, I'm really sorry, but I have to say this. (laughs) 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 And uh, I said, It's okay, go ahead. The idea that anybody would make a joke about me, I'm proud, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But, um, and that you know, it's funny. I went. I, I went back and I watched the episode. It's been many, many years, and I'm so not that girl anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, I was laughing with my husband. I was kind of going, "Oh my God! I played her so innocent." She, he said, "Yeah, you know, you're that normal person in a sea of idiots." Uh
2: huh. <laughs> <You know>? Yep.
1: <laughs> You're, you're, the whole deal is that you need to be as normal as possible for that to be funny. Mm-hmm. And he said, you did fine on that. You did fine on that. That's so, so funny. Uh, they were a great group. It was extraordinary to work for them. They were all very loving. And I think even, um, I remember on shoot night, <laughs> I was sitting with um, Vicky Lewis. And um, and I said, hey, there was a guy on the sidelines. It was live live audience, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a guy standing below the bleachers, standing up on the side of the set there. And I, I leaned over and said, I think that's Nick Nolte. She <laughs> goes, mm-hmm. it is Nick Nolte. He's my boyfriend. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? I, sorry, I just couldn't believe it. So it was fun. It was a really fun time.
0: <laughs> that's wonderful. I, I love that uh, <laughs> Phil Hartman was a perfect gentleman about that, too, by the way. That's, oh, my
1: God. So he was sincerely, sincerely. He wasn't joking. when he said Because he's a very funny man. Just, sure. You know, like funny is funny, right? But, um, yeah, no, he sincerely regretted uh, making that joke. yeah, You know, he, he really thought it was like, not, it was rude, but, you know, comedy comedy. We got to do our job. And I, I was, you know, I was so taken aback by that. And, and it's really sad. You know, I, I just cannot believe what happened with him. But, yeah. um, he, yeah, he was a beautiful, beautiful guy and just so funny.
0: That's so wonderful. I, I love hearing stories like that when people are not just professional, but they're just they're also incredibly considerate of other human beings, even though they know yeah. it's a joke. That's that's, that's always nice yeah. to hear. <laughs> so your character is part of this larger arc on the show that lasts, I can't remember how many episodes, but basically Jimmy's looking for a wife. Uh, the wife, yeah. And, uh, you know, there's always <laughs> a little something that goes wrong. And, they, and a lot of them are exactly like they – they, they clearly at least physically cast on a type, which was like a woman who, who can like, you know, like carry herself in a business suit looks like she can, okay. you know, hold up, hold up to She's this billionaire,
2: the
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. And, it, and yeah. that's how it always is. And it, what's so funny is he's always rejecting uh, the people he rejects that you don't see are usually weird celebrities or he's not sure if Mrs. Paul from the fish sticks is a real person or not. It's always <laughs> something ridiculous like that. Um, yeah. Do, i was curious um number one uh well you already said that it was a, a very uh you know everybody says that the show sort of was very welcoming even to people who had you know just one episode to do did you feel that way
1: every single person i remember andy dick
0: everybody
1: uh. talked to you everybody would talk to you
2: mm-hmm. um
1: i've been on shows where uh the principal actors um Uh, And and just so you know, when I was a principal actor on several shows, I always made sure that, you know, loving and kind to the people who came out as your guest. I mean, the guest star was kind of a big deal, um, but I kind of lost some of that as the years went by. But in the beginning, I'm telling you, that was the big deal. You were there for seven days. You were joining the cast. Right. kind of a big deal. Um, But I've been on sets where some actors just don't talk to you at all. Wow. They do not. They don't do that. They go to their trailer. They do their job. They go to their trailer. They don't want to know. Um, people but on that cast I they were all so they were kids you know we were all kids sure you know I think that you know we were they were just having so much fun and and I Andy Dick and and Maura Tierney all of them Candy Alexander I remember I spent a lot of time with Candy and we had a very brief moment in terms of our work. yes but for some reason we spent a lot of time sitting together and she was lovely and very funny
0: she is a delight. We had her on the podcast a few yeah. weeks ago, and holy cow, like just one of my favorite interviews of all time.
2: Uh, just yeah, just and I guess emulating. I think
1: John Lovitz did a bunch of them. I, I think John Lovitz and I went to the same high school. Oh, in the really? Valley. Someone told me that, and I don't remember him in high school. I did not meet him. He wasn't. I don't. He's not in that episode. Right. So, uh, so I didn't mean him, but I really wanted to. I know he was part of that show. So
0: yeah, he ended up having a I few. He did quite a few. He had bit parts uh, as different characters for a couple episodes before season five, and then season five, when Phil Hartman was gone, he took over for him. And so that whole season, oh. he's basically kind of he's in that role, but in his own character. So yeah, in he,
1: his own, they brought somebody new in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I yeah.
0: get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, boy, oh, boy. Oh my God! They were so silly.
1: So silly.
0: What uh, so? Uh, what was your favorite thing about uh, working sitcoms? Uh, you know, I, I you probably still do sitcoms. I mean, you do, you're still doing a ton of work. You know, but... there's
1: very few of them. Right. When I was doing. Um, I was on a show called The New Adventures of Old Christine. Yeah. And um, and when that show started, I think you know, I think they had gone from like 40 sitcoms down to. 20 Mm
2: -hmm. and then
1: that number was coming down to four or five and even on old Christine they were moving away from live audience I think the intention was that they were trying to get into more of just the the video like going out into the field Mm -hmm. and I think um uh um Julia Louis-Dreyfus I think once that show ended and she went to Veep I mean I think she was trying to get away from the live audience and just do straight up comedy yeah you know without all that other stuff going on And it's definitely kinder to the comedy writer. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing that I kind of loved about, um, I I, I will say this, I did a show called Hiller and Diller. Mm -hmm. Um, That was for ABC. And it was a show with, um, I was Jeannie Hiller, and Kevin Nealon was my husband. And Richard Lewis was, uh, the two of them were comedy writers in Hollywood. And Eugene Levy was their boss. And we had some kids on that. I think one of our kids is in trouble right now. But um Oh no. <laughs> um, but that show, um, I just uh in the beginning, you know, uh we would do the table read and the writer's room was kind of a closed room, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but a uh, partially way way through, like I wanna say we were about six shows in, the show was a big hit for ABC and about six shows in the producers came and told uh, us that, you know, if you wanted to come to the comedy room after the table read and talk with the writers and give ideas, and that kind of, the, the room's open to you. And and I, I was never going to do that. Uh, Neil and Richard Lewis and Eugene Levy were all big comedy guys and sure. they wrote and they did stand up. I don't know about Eugene, but I know Richard and um, and, and Kevin were big stand up. So I wasn't about to go in there and tell a comedy writer how to write a joke. <laughs> um, but a few, a few days later, they uh, came to my trailer, the producers knock, knock, knock on my trailer, and they're, hey, you never come to the comedy room. We're just wondering, you know, if, you know, there's a problem, or, I, and I looked at them and said, I, I would be the last person to tell them what to write. I right. feel uncomfortable in there, but I will tell you this. The one issue I'm having is that, you know, I'm not a stand-up comic, and um, so on, on the table reads on Monday morning, what would happen is they would read this. And if you didn't get the laugh at the table, they would cut those lines and go back and write something else. Yeah. And, and so I would say, you know, I operate differently because I'm actually an actor's actor. And um, if you could just leave my jokes alone um, I will figure out how to work those. Wow. And it just takes me, I'm not, yeah, I can make anything funny. I just need a few minutes with it, and I'm getting it cold at a table read, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if you could just leave my jokes alone and let, you know, if they want to rewrite all theirs, that's fine. Um, so what would happen is I could get their jokes for them, and then I really loved shoot night because, you know, you have a, a live audience, but you do the, the comedy, and it's that things would work. And then they come back and say, we'd like to do this. And they'd give you like six or seven new lines right there mm-hmm. and a new joke to play. And for me, that improvisational work, uh, was, I loved it. It was a real challenge. And, um, and we had a really good time. And if I could lay on those, then, then I, I was cooking. And I really loved that. Wow. And I know on that show, there was one time they actually did a joke where um, Kevin Nealon is having a dream that, um, I have become a stand-up comedy <laughs> performer <laughs> and he's dreaming of me. So they put me in front of a brick wall, like at the improv sure. and, um and dressed me up at that time. Ellen DeGeneres was doing her show next door and, and they dressed me up in a suit with white tennis shoes and a little t-shirt was kind of Ellen's uniform. At oh the my time. God. And Richard Lewis came down and um, really early in the morning, they shot that. And I'm doing ridiculous jokes like, you know, about Bed Bath & Beyond and stuff. Uh And and Richard stood there, and I remember Richard Lewis coming in. Yeah, you're actually good. You probably could do this. I said, no, Richard, I don't write jokes. He said, yeah, you get someone to write jokes for you, but you could actually do that. Wow. (laughs) I said, Okay. Hey, I mean, that's um, that's yeah, a testament
0: I, to it. I mean, if, if there's anybody who could spot a comic, I mean, that's, that's a pretty impressive that compliment. Was
1: fun. I don't know why I'm silly. I am silly, apparently. <laughs> but um, I do a lot of serious work. Uh-huh. Um, but the sitcoms were fun and a little different from um, uh, one-hour dramas. I did a lot of that. Um, but you spend more time sitting in your trailer waiting to get to the set to do some work. Yeah. Uh, whereas with the sitcom, you know, shoot night, um, with the live audience, is that you know you're really working and mm-hmm. you're not sitting anywhere. You're really in in the middle of it, and um, and so it's much more active.
0: Do you like a
1: bit? You don't want to be a waitress in a dead restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah, with things going on.
0: <laughs> that's but, the um, one thing nobody tells you about before you come out here. Is you think there's it's so magical, and it kind of is yeah. until like a few minutes in, you're like, okay, yep yeah, I uh, let me let's see if I can keep this magic going, and it's like, okay, going. good luck, good luck because yeah. holy cow, it's rough. Uh, do, do you yeah. work, do you work on the stage at all? Do you do you do any uh, theater? I acting? am
1: primarily a stage actress. You
0: are okay. And so
1: I, yeah, first and foremost, I'm a stage actress. But um, all stage actors, um, because um, you know, when the job ends, so does the paycheck, and the paycheck is very low,
2: sure. to begin
1: with. And um, with television, film, um, some TV commercials as well, but they die out too. Um, but with television and film, you know, an actor has to go do that work in order to build up some sort of residual income to sustain them and to also have a pension and health insurance. So you have to leave it. And so um, the biggest camera years for for women tend to be from 20 to about 38. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of, although I will say this, I do believe that has shifted from my time when I was there, but I'm 60 now. Mm -hmm. So From about 20 to 38, there was loads of work. And if you could work past, look like you're 38 into your 40s, so I did. And I could work a little longer into my mid-40s in television. But then the roles start to drop off. um, And they don't write for women in their 40s. Um, And then all of a sudden, the roles typically come back um, in your late 50s, early 60s. Interesting. So it starts to happen again. Now, I can't speak to television. I haven't. I've been doing bits here and there. I haven't really done a full-on series in a long time. Mm-hmm. But I really focused on theater. I left Los Angeles in uh, 2010, I think. It mm-hmm. came back to New York and really heavily started doing theater. And um, I have worked on, there's a lot of shows that shoot in New York. Yeah. I know my husband even did a House of Cards that shoots down in Maryland. There's a lot of work on the East Coast. Um, at one point, we had more work than L.A., I think, right after the economic crash in 2008. Wow. Um, so there's a lot of work here. But yeah, I would say primarily on theater. I just finished doing um, a new play called uh, Things I Know to be True. Um, they're working to get it to New York right now. Um, it was done by the Milwaukee Rep and um, the Arizona Theater Company. So I was in Arizona, uh, Tucson, Phoenix, and Milwaukee.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, it's by Andrew Bozo. Um, an Australian playwright. He wrote um, Speaking in Tongues, which became the film Lantana. Um, he was nominated for the Oscar for Strictly Ballroom. Um, amazing, amazing writer. And um, so this is a play that was developed in Australia, and then finally we did the American premiere of it. Wow. Um, but I've done, I'm known for the original production of Three Tall Women, well, which won the Pulitzer in 1994 for Edward Albee. Holy cow. And that play was just revived, I think, just about a year ago with Glenda Jackson.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I was on Broadway in Southern Last Summer, a Tennessee Williams' play with Elizabeth Ashley. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a play. I got a, a Theater World Award for that. And um, uh, I've just done a lot of, I'm kind of known for doing development work. Um, and that work is where the playwright, there's um, funding that allows actors to get together for a period of time, like a Humana Festival. I workshopped Appropriate by Brandon Jacob Jenkins. I did um, Lunagale Gale uh, for Becca Gilman and Robert Falls at the Goodman that eventually came to the Taper in Los Angeles. Um, that won the Jeff Award for a new play in Chicago. Um, I just keep developing new works. Um, I just did a new, um, for Neil Labute, a new play that he's doing. I did a four-day workshop on that. and I think he's going to do some more on that piece. Um, but, yeah, the plays, I, I really love that because, you know, theater is really the actor's medium. Um, And the reason for that is because my performance is not edited. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're in television and film, yeah, you can make a mistake. They stop, they go back, they reshoot, then they get in the booth, then they cut things out, they move it around, you know. Um, They can't do that. You know, once the lights go up on stage, uh, it's mine. Yeah. I get to decide. I get to make mistakes. And I just heard someone talk about, the theater is a place where we can be dangerous, and that's why audiences pay to come see theater. They could just stay at home, yeah, you know, and wait to see if someone taped it for YouTube or something, right? But um, the truth is, uh, you know, when you're in those live audience, I could say that's true. It's not the same on sitcom where you have a live audience. Um, we don't juice the audience before the show starts sure, in sure. theater, <laughs> um, and we can't stop. And retape and change the line, so when the people come into theater, um, they're hoping for fluff ups and great performances in the moment to sure. see a live action like that. And um, someone, I heard this wonderful thing. There's a wonderful um, a woman named Patricia Rudnick did a TEDx talk. TEDx Boulder um, called "Why Theater Is Dangerous." It's a beautiful talk about theater and why we go. Mm-hmm. And um and I needed to come back to New York. I, Los Angeles has more theater on any given night than anywhere else in the world. Uh huh. Um, because you have so many uh, what do you call waiver houses? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a member of three of them out there. Um, but for some reason, it just seemed that theater had more meaning um, in terms of historical context and legacy. Sure. If you were doing it in New York. Hmm. And so that's why I came back.
0: Do you think doing that development work has something to do with why you've got this confidence to make a joke funny on a sitcom? Cause not a lot of actors would say that <laughs> because honestly it's like, well, okay, they, they, <laughs> I need use, some time. you know, they, <laughs> no, just they just use you to that. test material out, you know, I mean, come on. That's,
1: yeah.
0: I, that, that, well,
1: cause you know, a joke for me, I mean, this is how I jokes. Um, you, you know, you have to play the truth of it, right? Yeah. Um, some jokes are physical and, So I can't land that at a table, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, jokes are timing and, um, sometimes you can get it raw in the moment, but sometimes you can rehearse it a bit and get the timing just right. And it can land. And sometimes jokes are, um, inflection. Yeah. And I may have had the wrong inflection at the table. And I thought, God, if I'd hit that, you know, on a high C, that would actually might've landed. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to have to rewrite what is actually a really good joke, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's why, you know, comedy is hard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know something I always, I always love to ask when people do so many parts on sitcoms and stuff, what's the, what, is there, how can you condense the kind of work you got? Because most people are like, oh, they're this type, they're this type. Because I, uh, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm I'm, the, I'm always the accountant. Is there one part that generally you got, do you think?
1: You know, we all every actor moves through periods, mm-hmm. and and a a role can actually you know like in the case of my husband, he was on the sitcom Almost Perfect with Nancy Travis, uh-huh. and so he was playing kind of the good guy, you know, the the guy next door, the guy you want to marry. Sure. And um and then he got cast, and for many years, that's what he played the the handsome good guy, you know. Yeah. And then he got cast opposite Linda Hamilton. I think it was a Hallmark movie. Okay. Um, where he played this really evil guy. Okay. And and then his whole career took a shift. There were no more having lucky guys. <laughs> he only played these really evil, dastardly guys. That's so funny. So I, I think the same for me is that we sort of made jokes that in the beginning, I was the up-and-coming attorney, the young doctor just starting out, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Um,
1: the DA on Capitol Hill to the congressman, you know, the yeah. AA, rather. And um, and then, I, I can't remember what shifted it, but then you become the, um, the lawyer on the verge of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> I started playing a lot of those. Uh-huh. And then, eventually, um, you go to the mom. And then I left professional women, and I became a mom.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And... Um, and now I'm still playing, I'm playing moms to older children, um, attorneys, social workers. Um, it's sort of in that range. I typically I play women who are educated. Yeah. Although, um, when I went to the Humanity Festival at, at, in, in Louisville um, and I played this role in appropriate, she was kind of, she had a hard quality about her that bordered on sort of blue collar. And she didn't suffer fools. And because I played that role, I think is what led me to playing the blue-collar role in um, uh, Luna Gale for Rebecca Gilman. And so kind of everything shifted. And this thing that I just did is a blue-collar woman um, who's just very – she's not educated by school, but educated by the world. And so she's just very to the point. She's honest, even though it hurts. You know, and audiences laugh at that. It's funny, but it's also um, for some men. I I remember men coming out of the theater and saying, to me, oh, my gosh, you were so, so evil. And then all of a sudden I loved you. And I said, (laughs) oh, you had a tough mom. You had a tough mom. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you realize, you know, thank God you had a tough mom.
0: Oh, my God. You
1: know, so those those are the women that I started to do now. But it happens to all actors. We transition through things. One role can shift everything. Sure, um, but I, you know, I teach as well. I teach at Montclair State in New, uh, in, uh, in New Jersey
2: uh-huh. and
1: um, University, Montclair State University, and um, I teach business there to to artists coming out of their um, training program, and um, you know, it used to be that you didn't want to be typecast, um, but that's not true. You actually do in the beginning mm-hmm. want to find the thing that you do better than anybody else. Yeah. And that's and that's really how you start to build a fan base and an audience base. And once you get that, then there's some thing, room to grow. I mean, when you think about people like John Travolta on Welcome Back, Cotter, sure. Right, um, that that role really led to Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Right. And so then he's sort of the same character, but in another way. Then we discover he the song and dance man. hmm. Right. And then he tried to make a shift into, but unnaturally so, is how I looked at it, mm-hmm. um, because he wanted to do something else, and he lost his audience. And so I think when he came back, it's sort of that character that we knew and loved, and then found his way back in through, um, I'm going to fix the name of that film, with uh, Uma Thurman. Um,
2: but oh, sure, sort Pulp of Fiction, that yeah. Char-
1: Pulp Fiction. When he comes back like that, he is that character from Saturday Night Fever in an yeah. so odd way. Yeah. Just in a sharper edge, and now he could have that edge that he was looking for without losing his fan base and his audience, because that's the thing they know about him, right? Right. So I, there is a. Uh, you have to. There is a type. We are a type. You know.
0: Well, it's it's it probably helps you to recognize that because you know what to do with it. Like you know, you you have a lot more freedom. I think once you recognize what it is people are wanting you to do, then you can probably yeah. hopefully get to play with it a little bit more, make it worth playing.
1: As as your as your as your career grows, yeah, and you have more fan base, they're willing to see you step out and do a few things. But you don't want to go so far that they go, no, I don't believe we're doing that. And I don't want to see her doing that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but um, in theater, we have a lot more room they expect you to be different
0: sure that makes they, sense they
1: want to see something different yeah uh well so i said I, it's that's the actors forum <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, i really appreciate you doing this uh I, it was a it was, it was a nice disc sometimes you know people come on and we either talk just about news radio or like we also oh. i like digging into people's careers because i'm always interested because it's so funny because you'll watch a show and you're like what do I know that person from? Or I know I've seen that person yeah. or what did they go on to do? And it's always fun to actually dig into somebody's career when you might not normally get an opportunity. Is there anything coming up? This will be out in a few weeks. Is there anything coming up you want to tell people about? Or are there any websites or anything that where people can find you?
1: Where, where am I headed? Well, I did a bit in the post that's been out for a while and land of steady habits. Although I think most of that, and that was a comic bit That. Most of that got cut out. I just laughed at what got left in, which is hello.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it, don't worry, it's a hello with a lot of attitude. Um, but um, I'm trying to think, because I'm getting ready now to go do a play called The Niceties. Uh-huh. It's a two-hander, um, I guess, dealing with race. And um, But in terms of camera, no, not camera-wise, not right now. This, the things that I've done are out. Um, I encourage people to go watch the David dance. It's uh, Pride Month. I don't know if that means anything. Um, to your audience, but um, that's a beautiful film, and I played a woman who was uh, converting gays to straight oh my at God. a radio show, and, oh my God. and she was a wild character, yeah, cool. so um, I love that movie, it was a little independent, I'm also in a film called uh, Another Earth, uh-huh. that's been out, all this stuff has been out for a while, so nothing really other than a play that I'm going to do, which be hard to find me, but perhaps uh, things I know to be true, will okay. come to uh, New York, yeah. and people can come see
0: that soon. That'd be wonderful. Well, I thank you so much for doing the show.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for asking me.
0: Thank you guys for listening, and catch you later, B-Cakes. <laughs> Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast, is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Alan Rickert, Jason Klom, and Jen, who lives on the ether. Our theme song was composed and performed by Michael Warden. Have questions? Call and leave us a voicemail at 646-801-WNYX or email us at freakzilla at scopenet.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Dispatches from Fort Awesome on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast outlet. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WNYX News Radio or find everything in one place at wnyxnewsradio.com. Thanks, Joe. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years.
1: Big day today, Dave. Ah!